The first song was called The Last Post. The Last Post is the bugle call, which originated with the British troops, that signifies the end of the day's activities for a soldier. It is also played at military funerals to indicate the soldier has gone to his final rest. And it is also played at commemorative services, like the ones we have for Remembrance Day. The second song was called The Rouse, and that was a shorter bugle call that was used to call soldiers to their duties. November 11. November 11th has always held a special place in my heart. It is our Remembrance Day here in Canada. It's also observed in other Commonwealth countries as well. But I live in Canada, so we're going to talk about Canada. (laughs) On November 11th, 1918, at 11 a.m., World War I formally ended. So, at 11 a.m. on November 11th, we always take a moment of silence to honor and remember the men and women who have served and continue to serve Canada during times of war. Remembrance Day was originally called Armistice Day, although it's still recognized as such in France, and is called Veterans Day in the U.S. The bright red poppy is a wildflower that grows along the fields and roads in Belgium and France, and other places, but, you know, this is World War I, that's where they were. <laughs> they also grew on the battlefields, because when the bombs disturbed the soil, they flourished. Its red color reminded soldiers of the blood that was shed on those very fields. The poppies were made famous thanks to a little poem called In Flanders Fields, written by John McCrae. Now this is a man of many talents. Doctor, soldier, author, artist, and poet. John McCrae was born on November 30th, 1872, in the town of Guelph, which is in the province of Ontario in Canada. It's about an hour west of Toronto. He graduated from the Royal Military College in 1893 and then went to medical school at the University of Toronto in 1894. His first experience with war was in 1899 when he joined the artillery in the rank of lieutenant to fight in the Boer War in South Africa. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Boer? Boer? (laughs) B-O-E-R? Oi, some of these words are hard. Words are hard. When he returned home in 1900, he attended McGill University in Montreal, and he studied under George Adami, who was a world leader in the science of pathology. In 1902, he went to Europe to study and travel and became qualified in 1904 in the Royal College of Physicians. McRae became chief pathologist at Montreal General Hospital while also doing pathology work at the Royal Victoria Hospital. He was also a lecturer at McGill and the University of Vermont. And they said that he was an awesome teacher. He was humorous and very easy to understand. 
During this time, not only was McRae also publishing poems, he was contributing to medical journals, and he co-authored a textbook on pathology. And, and, he had a private medical practice as well. Holy Toledo, what a busy guy. (laughs) This guy sounds amazing. Uh, If there's anybody out there who's a doctor, a poet, (laughs) humorous, fun, easy to understand, and you're single, give me a call. (laughs) Oh, and he was really good looking too. I will post some pictures. (laughs) John McRae was 41 when Britain declared war on Germany on August 4th, 1914. He, he just knew he had to serve. It was his duty. So he signed up and became a second-in-command and brigade surgeon within the 2nd Division of the Canadian Field Artillery. Oh, World War I. So, remember that Friends episode in Season 7? The one with Chandler and Monica's wedding? And Joey gets an acting job playing on a movie about World War I. And so he says, I'm off to fight the Nazis. And Rachel goes, Joey, we fought the Nazis in World War II, not World War I. Whoa. Okay. Who was in World War I? Joey asks. <laughs> Rachel looks at Phoebe, who says, go ahead. Well, Rachel looks blankly. And then she's like, Go, go, go! She tells Joey to hurry up to get to work because he's going to be late. Monica. Who did we fight in World War I? Rachel. Mexico? Phoebe. Yes, very good. (laughs) And they'll nod and accept that that's the right answer. Because, yes, I think most of us struggle with World War I, right? Like, so this guy shoots the dude in Bosnia and then everyone is all mad and goes to war? WTF. Just why did that have to involve the whole world? Anyone else wonder this? Or is it just me? (laughs) So I have looked into World War I a few times. And it gets complicated. And then I would forget what happened and who did what and why. And then I would wonder again and try to understand, but then I would get confused again. It gets confusing because there's a lot of history involving different countries, which had different names at the time, which makes it even more complicated. And actually, they weren't even countries. They were like empires, right? Now they're countries and they've changed and you're like, what is happening? So here's the scoop. As we all know, it began with the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria-Hungary on June 28, 1914. He and his wife, Sophie, the Duchess of Hohenberg, were visiting Sarajevo which is the capital of Bosnia and Herzegovina, when they were both shot by Gavrilo Princip. So basically you have the big empires, Germany, Russia, Austria-Hungary, and the Ottoman empires. And they're all trying to take over other people, other areas, and those people just wanted independence. And then the other empires were upset because they wanted what a so-and-so empire was taking over. So there's like a lot of rivalry. So in 1908, Austria-Hungary, which was a dual monarchy, annexed Bosnia and Herzegovina away from the Ottoman Empire. It was an aggressive mood and angered Russia, who also wanted to take them over. And it angered Serbia, but I can't remember why. (laughs) So the assassination was the last straw that brought everything to a head. 
Gavrilo Princip, the assassin, had ties to a terrorist organization in Serbia. Austria-Hungary believed that the government in Serbia was behind it, so they then declared war on Serbia. Germany, being a powerful country, but not country at the time, I guess, supported Austria-Hungary. Russia supported Serbia, and so they mobilized. Germany reacted by declaring war on Russia. France got into it, too, to support Russia, so Germany declared war on France. But to do this, they had to invade Belgium, who was neutral, which then caused the UK to declare war on Germany. So basically, countries just invading each other and adding more and more countries to defend the others led to the whole world getting involved in taking sides. So let's get back to John McRae and how the poppy is tied to his legacy. McRae was promoted to a lieutenant colonel, and he set up a dressing station at a location called Essex Farm, which is in Ypres, Belgium. Okay, so Ypres is a really cool name, but it's spelled Y-P-R-E-S. And at first, I did hear somebody go say it was like, eep. And I was like, oh, that sounds weird. Eep. So <laughs> then I found another uh, way to say it. I found another how to say Ypres, and it's called Ypres, so that's cool. He became a war surgeon in a field hospital and tended to the wounded. Even though he was actually not a trauma surgeon, he was a regular doctor, a pathologist. Now, when he was not doing that, he was commanding artillery in battle. Artillery, sorry, artillery in battle. He was there during the Second Battle of Ypres, which was the first in which poison gas was used as a weapon. Can you imagine? So these poor men are in battle, dealing with all the other crap that goes along with battle, and then they get poison gas coming at them, which is like burning, burning their skin, burning their eyes, burning their throat, everything. And actually, a friend, a former medical student of McRae's at McGill, Captain Francis String- Stringer, advised the Canadian troops to urinate in their handkerchiefs and then use them to cover their mouths. It was crude, but it crystallized the gas and saved many lives. Can you imagine urinating on your handkerchief to get away from the gas? Now, McRae had asthma since he was a child, and the gas damaged his lungs, making the asthma even worse. I cannot imagine what that would feel like, let it, just having normal lungs, but let alone having asthma. Oh. On May 2nd, 1915, Alexis Helmer, a friend of McRae's, was killed when a shell exploded right in front of him. He died instantly, and his comrades had to gather what body parts of him they could find to bury. I don't know about you, but when I read these things, it just makes me cry. I I can't, I can't imagine what these men had to go through. The next day, McRae wrote in Flanders Fields, Flanders Fields is the name of the battlefield where the Second Battle of Ypres was fought. 
So John McRae sent his his poem to some newspapers. The first one was rejected. The first magazine, I think it was in England, rejected the poem. However, it did appear in Punch magazine in the U.S., and it became a success. And he knew that his poem was popular. One of McRae's friends, Sir Andrew McPhail, wrote, Soldiers have learned it in their hearts, which is quite a different thing from committing it to memory. That is the true test of poetry. John McRae was a humble man. Even though he had a high rank, he insisted on sleeping in tents like everyone else. He preferred to be viewed as a soldier more than a doctor. When a patient called him sir, he would say, Don't call me sir or doctor. I am a soldier just like you. In December 1917, McRae was offered command of number one Canadian Field Hospital. He was also asked to assume the vacant position of consultant physician to the British Army in the field. This would also promote him to the rank of colonel. He accepted the offers, but sadly was never able to take them. His asthma flared up in January of 1918. He was riddled with pneumonia and meningitis. And at the age of 45, he died on January 28th. Now, this is something I never knew. The origin of the poppy campaign actually didn't start in Canada. Huh, who knew? It started with a woman in France, Anna Guerin. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> who began selling artificial poppies to raise money for orphaned victims of war. And a woman named Moina Michael, who worked at the YMCA Overseas Secretary's headquarters in New York, began to promote wearing the silk poppies to mark the anniversary of Armistice Day. When Anna Gruen saw this on a visit to the U.S. in 1920, she returned to France and, with the help of wounded veterans, made poppies that could be distributed in exchange for a donation. She presented the idea to Field Marshal Douglas Haig in Britain, and the British Legion launched its first poppy campaign in 1921 with poppies purchased in France. In 1925, it was decided that the poppy would be adopted as the symbol of remembrance throughout the British Empire. Now, the poppy campaign has three objectives. To be a visible sign of remembrance, to raise money for veterans in need, and, originally, to provide employment for disabled veterans. These plastic poppies that we wear are pinned on our left side. I've always heard it say that we wear it on the left to keep those who died close to our hearts. Another reason I read about is because military medals are worn on the left side, so that is a sign of respect. But regardless of why we wear them on the left side, let us take today to remember those men and women who have given and are still giving their lives and their service so we can be free. 
This is In Flanders Fields, written by John McRae. In Flanders Fields the poppies blow, Between the crosses, row on row, That mark our place and in the sky, The larks still bravely singing fly, Scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago, We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, Loved and were loved, And now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you, from failing hands we throw, the torch, be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. I always loved Remembrance Day in school. And this is one reason why I don't think that the school should have a holiday for Remembrance Day. Because we would always have assemblies in school and we would hear from the veterans. Now, the World War II veterans, most of them are gone now. But there's still veterans of war out there. I mean, from all the different wars and, and, you know, the ones still fighting And I always, I felt deeply their sorrow, their, their pain, their, oh, whenever that bugle played or that trumpet played, um, I would start to cry. And I think it's important for the kids to hear these things, things that we have now. It did not come easy. It does not come cheap. And our grandparents, our great-grandparents, they had so much to go through. When you imagine, first of all, you had World War I. Then you had, oh, the epidemic they had in 1918, right? Then you have the Depression. Then you have World War II. And then, I mean, in the States, there was, uh, I don't really know Canadian history as much, but in the States in the 60s and 70s, craziness. So that generation went through so much. And we take it for granted a lot of the time. I actually love watching war movies and they make me cry, but it's always a good time to, but it's always a good reminder to see what these people went through. It's horrendous, you know? So if you're interested in watching some World War, World War One and Two movies, these are my favorite ones. So. Spoiler alert, I do talk about these movies and their storylines. <laughs> so movies about World War I, you got Sergeant York. Okay, now I know this one's old. It's black and white. Yes, yes. It was released in 1941 starring Gary Cooper. Now, it's actually got quite a bit of humor in it as well, but it's a true story about a man named Alvin York who was kind of a bad boy and then he found um god and so he was a conscientious objector and didn't want to he refused to enter the war but then they made him right so he did not want to go to war because he said thou shalt not murder it says so in the bible but you know they're like well you can't really accept that so they also showed him other portions of the bible that said you know the I can't remember actually, but <laughs> uh, basically, 
You have to help out those people who need help. So he goes to war. He does end up killing some Germans. I mean, he had to, right? Uh, But he ended up capturing like 137 men pretty much by himself. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, it it does have humor. I assure you, it's pretty humorous um, and, you know, upbeat. But yeah, it's really good. The movie 1917, which came out, I think, two years ago or just last year, maybe. I can't remember now. Uh, That one I recently saw that was really good. It's about two men on their way to give news to a general or something um, that the enemy, they think that they're able to attack Germans, but it's a trap. So they have to get there in time to like warn them. Passchendaele is a Canadian film about the Battle of Passchendaele, which is, I think it's, what was that? The third Battle of Ypres, which was Passchendaele. I, I don't know. Ah, sorry. They're all confusing. There's like first, second, and third battle. But um, that one was with Paul Gross. Now, an old, old, old movie made in 1930 in black and white, and it's silent, I think, although you do hear bombs and stuff. It's called All Quiet on the Western Front. That one I did watch. Now, it's a little bit hard to get through, but it's actually quite moving. Now, World War II movies and I really, I have a fascination with World War II. Hacksaw Ridge. Now, this was made in 2016, starring Andrew Garfield. It is also about a conscientious objector. Uh, he refuses to pick up a gun. And he gets mocked for it and beaten up by his his uh, fellow soldiers. But he ends up saving all of their, most of their lives because he's a medic. That one would make you cry, I swear. Schindler's List, of course. I'm sorry, these all make you cry if you're a crier. Band of Brothers miniseries. That one is so good. Now, of course, these are very graphic, these movies. So, you know, if you can't handle that, probably best not to watch them. Uh, But Band of Brothers was really, really good. I actually binge watched it uh, because I I borrowed the, this is the old days of DVDs. I borrowed the DVDs from a friend. And then I was just binge watching it, but then I would dream about it and it was horrible. So don't binge watch those kind of things. And one movie that is in the book as well, that's just, oh, I just love so much. It's called Unbroken. And the movie was directed by Angelina Jolie. That is a movie about Louis Zamperini and he and two other men, their plane was shot down and they were lost at sea living in a raft for 47 days. Oh, and then, okay. So then they see like a boat and they're like, Oh, hopefully we're saved. No, no, it was the Japanese. And then for those of you who like movies that change history to show what we wish would have happened, always inglorious bastards, you know, Quentin Tarantino. Now, of course this is very graphic. So, Beware, but uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorite Tarantino movies. I'd like to thank my sources <laughs> Wikipedia, DiscoveringBelgium.com, World Book Encyclopedia, and my special collector's edition of John McRae and the Battles of Flanders. So let me know what are some of your favorite movies or books or documentaries about, uh, about the World Wars. So I realized I actually said. I can I can't even imagine 
And this movie is so good. A lot. So you could play the drinking game. How many times does Steph say, I can't imagine, and this is so good? I guess I actually don't know that many words, maybe. <laughs> oh, sorry. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, so next episode, November 15th, my guest is life coach, pastor, and my friend Carmela, and we talk about leadership. Oops, I almost forgot this part. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Stuff Up Podcast. You can email me at stuffuppodcast at gmail.com. And you can also go visit my website, stuffuppodcast.com. And on the website, I have a blog in which I talk about all the different topics that we discuss in the episodes. If you could go to Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast, that would be super amazing. Or you can go to rate www.ratethispodcast.com backslash stuff up. So take time today to remember those who sacrificed for us. And I hope you go out there and make it a great day.